1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Joined once again by my esteemed Deputy Editor. He's celebrating a birthday. Happy birthday! John Dixon. A few days later. Related birthday. It it was Sunday. Yeah, but okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you have a nice celebration? Did you get any Chiefs-related gift? Uh,
2: Actually, uh, I didn't get any Chiefs-related stuff this year. Uh, The the overalls that I'm wearing, I got those. Are those Chiefs overalls? No, they're just (laughs) Levi's. These are these are literally the only Levi's I can wear at my current
1: age and girth. So uh, I understand. I understand that (laughs) they're industrial. That's nice. I I've never dabbled in overalls if you could believe that but i'm not opposed right you know for the right set of circumstances maybe i would i would do it i i'd imagine i'd look okay i think i could pull them off i don't think i've had a pair on since i was in high
2: school i i I, for a while i went through a phase where i wore overalls in high school which was a
1: you know a completely different time than now let's make that clear do you feel invigorated Um, do you feel the fountain of youth in the overalls
2: uh yeah a little bit a little bit well, that's I had good. little trouble getting the straps over my shoulders, though. That's a that's an age related issue right there. So, well,
1: we can guarantee that John is going to bring that young, lively, overall energy <laughs> for the next sixty minutes or so as we have the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show on this show. We'll give you the latest news. We'll go over Andy Reid from Monday. We'll give you our world-famous marinated takeaways, the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. If you like the Editor's Show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, please leave us a rating and a review. John, let's go to the news. And the first thing we have to talk about is this idea that Whitney Merciless is a name that has emerged as a possibility for the Kansas City Chiefs, the longtime NFL Defensive lineman has been released by the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are now in full rebuild mode. That's hard for veteran players to have to go through to know there's no shot at the playoffs. We are just giving up on this season. We are trying to get the best picks we possibly can heading into the future. So Merciless becomes this, in a sense, Terrell Suggs type of player for the Mm, Chiefs. Already been connected to the Chiefs via Aaron Wilson. Apparently there's mutual interest to two sides. This could get done here on Transaction Tuesday. Pulling the curtain back, we're recording about 10 after 10 right now. Has not happened yet. Do you think the Chiefs will maybe make this move, John?
2: I think there's a good ch- a good chance of it, yeah. I mean, uh, I think there's a better chance now that he's actually been released, as I understand it. You know, there was, there's been some confusion about that. Originally, they said they were going to release him, and then there was talk they were going to have him on the trade market before they re- released him. But now the reports are saying that he's been he's, he's going to be cut on today's transaction report. So it's just a question of the Chiefs getting him at uh, basically a veteran minimum salary and probably— Uh, knowing the Chiefs, a veteran salary benefit contract where they actually get a little cap relief on top of the money that they're paying him. Um, And he gets a $137,000 bonus uh, on that kind of a contract, which is uh, good for the player. So that's what I would expect to see happen. If the Chiefs sign him, he'll get that kind of a contract. And uh, and it'll be an inexpensive one, as
1: you say, just like Terrell Suggs, who I believe also had a a veteran. Yeah, what's interesting about this is I wonder what it means for Chris Jones and his wrist. He's missed the last two games with the wrist injury. Are the Chiefs worried? I, I mean, they are getting to the bottom of the barrel here with Joshua Kando, the rookie on the IR. Damone Harris has now used both of his practice squad elevations. So they're getting to the depths of this thing. I wonder at the age of 31, what a player like Whitney Merciless has left. He uh, was a 2012 first round pick. Number 26 overall has spent his whole year with the Texans. Now we just talked about how the Texans season is going. There's not a lot of motivation down there in Houston to necessarily go balls to the wall against these opposing offensive linemen. I pulled up on PFF, uh, profootballfocus.com, the pressures right now. and And let me read you off the Chiefs. Chris Jones, At 15, Mike Dana at 13, Jaron Reed at 11. This number surprised me here. Frank Clark in limited games at 10. Very Mm -hmm. close to the guys who have played more games Mm -hmm. than him. Alex Okafor at nine, Turk Wharton at seven. And then you would get to Colin Saunders at five, and then Whitney Merciless in Houston, five. So while it's a hot name, and I wonder. If the Chiefs would be interested, again, I think you got to take into account the motivation factor here. I think that is very real. The output in Houston has not been tremendously great. Now you put him on a better defensive line; those numbers go up. But it's let's say let's give him five more pressures, right? I mean, you're talking about ten. Is that worth it for the Chiefs? But some would say yes. Some say he's a veteran and and he'll turn it on here. Um, I'm in between on this one. I think it's a hot name that, that we like, but I just wonder if it's worth it. If it's a low risk, high reward, as you kind of alluded to, John, then maybe I land on why not.
2: Well, I think the the key thing to this might be giving them the option to put Chris Jones back where he's most effective. I think that's the that's the big upside to making this deal would be the ability to move Jones back to the inside on a more regular basis. Um, I think it's fair to say the defensive end thing hasn't worked out quite like they thought it would. I mean, we all thought it was going to make Jones a monster uh, this season. We thought that the, the ability of the Chiefs to move him around all over the line would improve the play of the line. That really hasn't played out like we anticipated. Surely the Chiefs know that. And um, so I think this might be a reason for them to do it is it gives them more opportunities, a better chance to move Chris Jones back to where he's most effective. That, to me, would be the big upside.
1: Right. Uh, or maybe you're continuing to move him around and he's more inside because I don't think and, and that was right, what, what I right, lost right. in this whole position change. Like he didn't move to just defensive end permanently. It basically became, if you want to say, a two to one where it was more and than inside, and, whereas... Go ahead. Yeah, the numbers don't really work out that way.
2: I was kind of surprised by that because the way Spagnolo was talking uh, in the offseason when we was would ask him about this, he would say, sure. well, you know, he's still going to move inside on third down. Well, that suggested it was going to be where last year he was on the outside one play out of three, that this year he'd be on the inside one play out right. of three. But it's actually been more like one play in ten that he's been on the inside. If you look up his detailed snap counts on PFF... He's actually been on the inside very little this season. It's mostly been on the outside.
1: You know, the, so, pre-se- the preseason had look has been different than what we've seen in the regular season because the in the preseason it looked like it was going to be a very clear uh, point, and maybe that's because of a, a lack of the edge and and the fact that Frank Clark missed a handful of games, and that's why you see him um, more on what would be the edge. I, I yeah, have it. Might it be. Yeah, I have it pulled up right here. So he's had. 14 snaps at the right end position um, and 26 at the left end position. Uh, But he he's been moving all about when it comes to the different tackle positions, uh, 11 left interior, nine right interior. He's even lined up as a linebacker in in a sense. They've been using him in a variety of different ways, but I think you bring another able body into the mix. It allows you to do more and maybe even mix it up a little bit more. But we do still have the question, John, of when we actually may see Chris Jones even back. He's just been shut down. I'd imagine the Chiefs are trying to get that wrist right. Uh, We don't know the severity of it. They've been a little bit, I think, coy when it comes to giving any true updates on where Jones is at, why they decided to shut him down out of practice. So I think it remains to be seen if we even see him back in the mix this week. I did ask Andy Reid about this last week, and he said that Jones was close. and. (laughs) To close. What is close? Is it <laughs> close as in, okay, he'll be back on the field Wednesday, or close as in, you know, by the end of October, you may see him. So same thing with trivarius Ward, who has missed the last uh, handful of games. The, there is a silver lining in, in the Ward thing, because I, I think the sooner Ward get, gets back in the lineup, the better for the Chiefs. He's a reliable player. But Rashad Fenton has been a very nice surprise when it comes yeah. to coming into the lineup. And right now, you can make a case that he looks like the Chiefs' best cornerback. In, in period and Legarius yeah. Sneed looks great, but I, I just think Fenton has come on really strong here. That that was never to be expected.
2: Right, I completely agree with that. Uh, he's been a very nice surprise. But you know maybe we shouldn't be surprised. You know he uh, took a game or two of snaps uh, at the outside corner last season when Bashad Breland was out after uh, Sneed was injured, and uh, he looked very good then. But then when Snead was back and Bashad was back, uh, then he reverted back to that slot corner role. Um, the Chiefs didn't forget that he looked good as an outside corner, and the last two games they've had him in there as the starter, and he's he's done well. So uh, I agree. This is this was kind of a surprise, although maybe it shouldn't have. Uh, we, it's not like we hadn't seen this happen. Before.
1: Update on Travaris Ward. Remember he's been out since the week two game. It's actually been mm-hmm. a lot of weeks now. We're going into yeah. week seven. And he, it's because he suffered a setback, that injury, where not this past Friday, but the Friday before, Sam Madison essentially confirmed that he re-injured the quad, I believe it is, in yeah. in practice and couldn't go again. And so if they try and start this process on Wednesday, if I'm guessing here, and we will see with our Wednesday injury report that we'll post to ArrowheadPride.com, I would bet both of these players are limited on Wednesday. But again, we need to see that in the reports. The other injuries to note, uh, terrible. Uh, we can comment on this quickly, John. Uh, tight end Jody Fortson. What a terrible end to what was one of the better stories of the Chiefs in oh, what has man. been an up and down year.
2: Yeah, this is really bad. I feel so bad for this guy. He's worked so hard, uh, taken multiple shots at uh, you know making the team, and actually you know went to trying to get in the team on the roster in a different position, which you don't see all that often. And he made it work, and has been a very effective player for the Chiefs. I'm going to speak about this a little bit more later, um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's a terrible, terrible thing, and I I feel so bad for the guy, but I also think he's going to be back, uh, and I'll and I'll get to that a little later. But I, I think the Chiefs are going to make an effort to bring him back because he's really been an effective player. Yeah, I
1: I hate it, um, because Fortson really had to earn it. Like this was a legitimate player who had to show something in training camp in the preseason to get it done. He's been at it for a while. He finally broke through. He had two touchdowns. You know how hard it is for a player to have two touchdowns when they're a regular part of the lineup? Just ask Marcus Robinson about that. Jody Fortson <laughs> is getting like five plays a week or whatever it was, and he was able to get in the end zone twice. Now he gets to try to come back. What I hate there. Is, go to Juan Thornhill, who had uh, another injury. What I hate there is that players sometimes don't return to form. And I don't think Fortson has a ton of time, you know? And so if he's on the the margin margin coming into next year's training camp, and we're going to be rooting for him, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's got to really respond to what is a terrible injury pretty much next year. Because I don't know if his opportunity would extend to Another year on the practice squad, potentially, and then maybe he's good in 2023. I don't hope this scenario for him, but I've just seen too many times where players on the fringe like this have an uphill uphill battle to begin with. And if their body is not right, I hope that this isn't the case. Uh, Jody Fortson is is keeping himself in good spirits. Uh, Patrick Mahomes kind of confirmed that long road ahead. Uh, again, we'll be covering this and we'll be rooting for him. I hope that he does indeed have a spot on the 90-man roster uh, once the season is.
2: Well, I think we also need to be careful here about comparing it too directly to Thornhill's situation because Thornhill's situation was in the last game of this. And this is fairly early in the season, so that gives him a little extra time uh, to rehab from this compared to Thornhill. I think what
1: I mean, John, is what I'm saying is like, a lot of these players with these major knee injuries, like Thornhill said, in a sense, regardless of when it happened, I didn't really feel right till a year changed. So right, like, that's what right. I mean. So this time right. next year in October, it might be when he, and is that going to yeah. be too late in a sense? And that, that's yeah. where I, I get concerned. I hope that's not the case. And I hope he has a, a quick recovery and I hope he has the explosion uh, that, that he, that we saw the athleticism that we saw prior to, but it's just, Man, what a tough situation when it comes to a kid who, like, really, really put work in, really, really earned mm-hmm. it, and it, and it's just been tough.
2: I'll have to check this to be sure, but I think one of the interesting things about this is that he played in six games this year, which gives him an accrued season. Good. And if I'm not mistaken, it is his first accrued season, uh, which means that the Chiefs would have two more seasons uh, under which he would be uh, when he would be under their control. Uh, He may have one from the year he was on injured reserve, but I don't think so, because I think he won on IR before the season began. So I think this is his first. So the Chiefs will have two for sure, and then maybe another season on top of that um, as as a restricted rights free agent. So um, you know that the Chiefs they they have an opportunity to have this guy for a while if they really want him. And I think they I think they will.
1: Well, there you go. We'll see. And uh, Fortson, again, we'll look for in the 2022 offseason. The other injuries of note, uh, Anthony Hitchens with an elbow. We haven't really seen anything about that quite yet. He was due to have an MRI after leaving the game and being ruled out, which is never a good sign. Uh, There were reports that he hyperextended his elbow potentially. But again, we'll have to wait for an update from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid on Wednesday. Uh, Fullback Mike Burton injured his left pec. That's a little bit less serious. He plays about four or five offensive plays per game. I feel like that that position could be something that a tight end uh, could do if need be. I don't know if the Chiefs go out and get another fullback. But back to the Anthony Hitchens, I think that's the bigger one what'll be interesting about this and will probably be maddening to fans is the chiefs really quickly went to Ben Neiman as the green dot or the communicator in this defense. And I don't know how much trust they would have necessarily in a Willie Gay or Nick Bolton to do that as, as much as, as Hitchens has the opportunity to. So if Hitchens has to miss a game or two or whatever it is, a couple games, um, then I, I think you're going to see Neiman, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. This is I and I think Neiman is a is an able backup for a few games. I the problem that you see with these players like Neiman and Sorensen is they've been put in these sometimes starting positions and that's where you can see them really struggle. And so I think Neiman could hold down the fort. I'm glad to see that Willie Gay is getting back into this mix.
2: Well, I'll, that's something else that I'm going to address a little later in the show. Uh, another preview there, but uh, but tease. that has really been the problem. It's not that these players don't have roles that they can fulfill adequately. It's that the Chiefs have been forced into using them in places where they, where they can't perform adequately. That's certainly been true of Sorensen. And I think that Neiman probably is best used as a Mike linebacker, which makes him the backup on this. But uh, because the Chiefs were so short linebacker, they didn't have a lot of choices but to put Neiman out there in, in ways that he wasn't ideal. So uh, I think this is where Neiman makes the most sense. I'm not saying that he's, you know, the greatest right. player ever, but, you know, he's a reserve player, and that's the role he's going to be taking, uh, filling in for Hitchens here, and I think he'll he'll be able to do fairly well at it.
1: Marinated takeaways coming up in segment three. Another piece of news, offensive lineman Kyle Long. As of Monday, after week six or Tuesday maybe, um, he is now eligible to come off, of What is the PUP list? I don't know if the Chiefs will do it. I asked Andy Reid on Monday, if you want to go back to From the Podium and watch how a reporter is shut down by a head coach, uh, you can go and <laughs> listen to that. And uh, no real information on the Kyle Long front. I know a lot of you have asked. Uh, the team has not really said anything. And I'm not sure he's even, even been with the team. So I don't know on that one. And even if he was activated, I don't see him necessarily getting position right away in the starting offensive line but it would it would provide the chiefs some good depth i think to get him back in the mix but we don't really know on on that front at this well
2: well whose place would he take maybe right tackle you know if if remers wasn't
1: playing well you know maybe
2: that but uh you know i don't see him taking uh joe tooney's place or trey smith's place certainly right um and um uh so th- that would really be the only place i could see him playing is on the outside so uh, yeah we'll have to see uh, uh, it's interesting that that reed wanted to shut you down on that question
1: i know me. he was better on my second question again you can yeah. go from the podium if you want to see how this thing unfolded all right chiefs 31 washington 13 john you dug into the snap counts we have it up at dot right now what are the big takeaways well, um, you know, I think
3: the
2: thing that people were most interested in was how many snaps that Josh Gordon would get. Uh, and it was uh, eleven for this game, just slightly more than he had the week before. on uh, a percentage basis, it was ten percent uh, last week and thirteen percent this week. So an unexpected uh, misuse, uh, if you will, of a player who maybe could have been productive in this game. Um, you know, Andy Reid had said that he expected to, to get him in for about 20 snaps the week before. And we all took that to mean that he was going to try and get him in for 20 snaps this week. Well, that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, the week before, Reid said it was because they were behind and he got pushed out of the way because of the, the sets they were running and they were plays that he didn't know. Well, obviously, that take didn't work, at least in the second half uh, in the game. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with him. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs don't want to put him out there unless he's got the playbook fully down. Um, again, I, I've said this many times uh, now, uh, I think this is a postseason move. I think that the Chiefs are just moving him along slowly so that he'll be ready for the postseason run where teams don't have much tape on what how the Chiefs have used him. so That could be what's going on in the backs of their minds there. Uh, we'll just have to see what happens over the next few games uh, with Gordon.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I disagree a little bit. I don't know if it's a postseason move. I think the Chiefs want to get him to be the number two receiver as quick as possible. I just don't think it's happening. Um, We're having our lead film analyst, Ron and dig on to what was the 12 plays. Ron had noted to me, uh, the great Ron Cop about of structure, by the way. You can get that on Monday. Got to get the T's in there. But yeah. Ron had mentioned to me that he missed a block on a quick wide receiver screen. Andy Reid basically came out and said we want to have 20 plays for this guy it wasn't really any hurry up situation and then he played eight or nine less than that so the reason why we're digging into that film is because we want to see if there were any clear mistakes by gordon that basically made andy Reid say look we have to wait another week with him he's a liability um he's a liability right now uh, with the team john any other takeaways from you besides the the gordon
2: Well, I think that uh, one of the other issues that people were waiting to learn about was whether when Juan Thornhill became the starter, um, if Dan Sorensen would be uh, still getting a lot more snaps than we wanted to see. But, in fact, they basically swapped positions. Looking at the snap counts, it looks very much like they just traded places on the field. Uh, Thornhill was out there for 100% of snaps, just like Sorensen has been all this season as the starting safety. And Sorensen's snaps were roughly in line with the kind of snaps uh, Thornhill was getting uh, as the third safety. So, uh, you know, if you're worried about Sorensen being the deep coverage safety I think you can put that aside. I think they're going to be using him now in the way where he can be most effective is the third safety up in the box where he actually can play fairly well. Um, I think everybody's in agreement that his big weakness is being a deep coverage safety. And I I don't think we're going to see that because certainly Thornhill did all right. Sorensen,
1: and this is what is lost. Sorensen and spots is a good player. I know we're going to get to your Marinette takeaway. Neiman and spots is a, is a good player. And I I think that's what you kind of take away from the, the snap counts. And the team finally said, look, we get it. He can't be a starter. We have to try something. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that Fenton and, and Gay and Thornhill were a breath of fresh air for for the defense, as was uh, Tyron Matthews' tirade. It seemed like they played way better after that. They shut out the Washington football team in the second half. Granted, you're talking about Taylor Heineke, still an NFL offense, still have Terry McLaurin on that team, who is a world, um, world-class world wide receiver. And they were able to, to kind of uh, shut him down, too. All right. So that is the news. That is the Snap Count Takeaways. When we come back, we'll dig into Andy Reid and his Monday afternoon noon press conference. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We have given you the news. We have gone through John Dixon's snap counts. By the way, he was full snap counts at arrowheadpride.com. Now let's get into Andy Reid and what he said on his Zoom conference call from Monday afternoon. And the big thing I think that you could take away is the Kansas City Chiefs finally... Tapped into that complimentary football.
3: Uh, just that we we need to build on it, and um, we will. Um, and, and then special teams, I also thought they did a good job there. So, um, which also becomes important. But listen, if you can get if you can get the offense and defense playing well, then you see what you you got to see that second half. I mean, it, um, you know, and, and, and it's important that we 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 keep growing there, and that we do eliminate the turnovers, and we. Create turnovers and you know all all of those things that um, you're supposed to do uh, to win football games and and then have a solid special teams unit. So um, but that's what we're striving for, and I know our guys are hungry to do that. Um, and so we'll keep working on it.
1: So you saw two things on Sunday, right? You saw the Chiefs turn the football over. You saw the defense giving up big plays. You saw the lowly Washington football team with a 13-10 win, but then you saw the Chiefs really clean up the turnovers and the defense step up. So I think it's pretty clear what Andy Reid is saying. When the offense is playing well, it's easier for the defense to play well and vice versa. Yeah, well, that's been a problem. Uh, for the team all
2: season uh, you know that the offense is not playing in a way that benefits the defense and vice versa uh, this complementary football thing has has been a problem and and on uh, Sunday afternoon particularly in the second half we saw those those units playing in a way that complemented each other and, and and the result was a 21 to nothing run so
1: that's a good thing the Chiefs won this game 31-13 so let's make that very clear before we get into our next point this was also a game in which Patrick Mahomes had the worst play of his career. He also had one of the better plays of his career, but it, it'll never see the light of day in a box score because there were penalties on the play. But Patrick Mahomes had what was a horrible interception, and here was Chiefs head coach Andy Reid.
3: He was trying to try to make something happen. and uh, you know There was a fumbled snap. He picks it up, and now it's one of those deals. Kel's kind of flashed there for a second. So, um, you know, it, it, I, I would put it in that category.
1: Reed also had a quick point about turnovers in general as the Chiefs now lead the league in turnovers with 14.
3: Yeah, so two separate things. But, yeah, I, I think those are fatal flaws. They, they, they kill drives, obviously, if you're not on the end of recovering a fumble. Um, so, and then I tell you, um, at times, you know, I mentioned this last week, at times guys will press and try to do too much. And then um, you, you do that, And and that's a problem. If you're concentrating on not doing the fumbling part as opposed to practicing it all week and making it a habit um, of covering the ball in traffic or making the right throws or, you know, all the things that have kind of have with looking the ball all the way into the tuck, you know, all those things. Um, If you don't make those a habit and you're concentrating them on game day, then, then there's a problem that can be a problem. So we, we just go back and we try to focus in on the positive part of catching the football, and, you know, those fundamentals.
1: So, yeah, I, I think this was just a classic case of what we've been talking about for weeks, John, with Patrick Mahomes simply trying to do too much. And this was an awful decision and one you really don't see him make a, a lot. But this is what kind of led me to writing what I wrote in the Raptor reaction became rock bottom for the Chiefs because it seemed like anything that could go wrong was going wrong heading into that halftime locker room.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you about this. I, I know, I know that there are some fans and probably some talking heads who are concerned about trying to, uh, make Mahomes into something that he isn't. Uh, but you just can't have an NFL quarterback that makes those kinds of decisions. It right. just doesn't make any sense. And even if you have the ability to make plays sometimes uh, in those situations, as Mahomes has shown he has the ability to do in many of them, it's still a low percentage play to try and make a play, uh, make a, a, a throw to somebody when you're being dragged down to the ground. Right. And he's just going to have to learn to take the sack. And in this particular situation on Sunday, um, you know, the result of the play would have been a fourth down inside field goal. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, it's on Mahomes to be thinking about that before he takes the snap from center. You know, wh- what can what can I do? I have absolutely have to avoid. There are some situations where a sack is a thing he absolutely has to avoid. This was not one of them. And if he had taken the time to, to you know, think that through before taking the snap, maybe we would have seen a different outcome there and a tie score at the end of the first half.
1: Yeah, I, and I, it's tough because I, I look at the time of the game it was and it, we look at the ending now and the way it ended and you, you don't think about this and this can get away from you, but I mean, the Chiefs were down 13-10 and Mahomes mm-hmm. might have said to himself, is this about to be 20-10? to do I have to continue putting up touchdowns? And I think you saw a little bit of that. And I think it was good in a sense to get to that point where it seemed dire. And then to, to have the chiefs respond the way they did more on that in marinated takeaways coming up in the next segment, Mike Remmers. We talked a lot about Juan Thornhill, but Mike Remmers replaced Lucas Niang at right tackle in this game. Here was chiefs head coach, Andy Reid on Mike Remmers. Yeah.
3: I thought he did a good job. He was solid in there. And uh, um, I thought he, he really held his own that, that deep defense line. I have a lot of respect for it. I mean, there are um, a lot of first-round picks on that defensive line, and they can rev it up and play pretty good. And I've seen it when we were looking at tape. You could see it, and, um, and then when we were out there, you could see their speed and athletic ability. So I thought our guys did a pretty good job with that. Mike Mike was, uh, I thought, for his first outing, I thought he did a real nice job.
1: As Andy Reid noted, there are four first-rounders on the starting defensive line for the Washington football team and Young, Payne, Allen, and Montez Sweat. I would be stunned if Lucas Niang starts at right tackle next week, John. I'm, I, I'd go that far.
2: Well, you know, I was the one who was saying all along that, that Remmers would get the start at the beginning of the season, and it didn't play out that way. And um, uh, I think – so I'm, I'm not – I can't say I'm surprised that the Chiefs have eventually come back to – come home to mama, so to speak, <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> on putting a veteran at right tackle. Uh, and I agree with you. I think there's a pretty good chance that, that Remmers will be back there Uh, in this next game, Um, you know, it's not like Niang has been bad, but he's been a typical rookie, which is not what we've seen from Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. These guys have been playing at uh, a top pro level uh, as rookies. Niang hasn't been, but that's not really a knock on him. You know, the man is still essentially a rookie. He's a a second-year rookie, for lack of a better term. And uh, you're going to see this sometimes. It's astonishing that the Chiefs have only had one of three uh, have this kind of season. So that's a good thing. I, it's bad for him personally, of course. But uh, I think he's going to be somebody who will be a quality player down the line. He's just more seasoning.
1: I would agree. I think he will play a role for the Chiefs in the future. We get on Mike Remmers for the horrible job that he did at left tackle. He's now done this in two Super Bowls, one for the Panthers and one for the Chiefs. He's a good right tackle. I, I yeah. mean that that's just it is, it is what it is and if this can buy Lucas Niang some more time to to work at it and then you have Remmer shoring it up who knows how Kyle Long fits into that picture in the coming weeks but I mean you look at last year and the injuries that the Chiefs have and Mitch Schwartz going down Remmers shored up that position it was only when the Chiefs were down to their 10th offensive lineman and he had to go play left tackle that it just right. it wasn't the right yeah. situation wasn't the right position and so i don't i don't hate this move i think again a, a lot of these lineup changes i've been saying it the, the whole time this show were a breath of fresh air and i i actually thought that that was one of them continuing on and we had discussed josh gordon in our snap counts but andy reed was asked about those snap counts given the fact that he had said that gordon would play around 20 snaps or, or wanted that for him
3: yeah just it didn't work out that way but we'll keep bringing him along you know i i think he's just starting to get comfortable with this whole thing. We had him in for a couple, a couple few plays. I, I don't know what it totaled out, but he was, he'll be fine. We just keep working through everything.
1: So to me, uh, this was, and then this is why I made the point I did in, in the last segment. This was a head coach that in a way was defending a player who's new to the system and maybe dialing back the expectations. You don't see chiefs head coach, Andy Reed, make, make a mistake like this a lot in the media where he sort of promises a certain thing and then has mm. to like, walk it back this is why he's so careful about this type of thing right and that that was what i kind of gathered from this quote about josh gordon uh in a similar sense to maybe how lucas niang can help you in the distant future i think gordon is going to help you in what could be the short-term future you're right john it might take a a couple more weeks but uh this is someone who is still developing and learning the chief specific west coast playbook
2: yeah i think that's a real good point about andy Reid too he he is not somebody who wants to commit himself to anything for any reason. And uh, in retrospect, his his words about Gordon last week were kind of a departure for him. I hadn't really thought about that up until this moment, but I think you're exactly right. I think he he went someplace he wouldn't normally go and say, oh, yeah, we're going to get in those 20 steps next week, (laughs) (laughs) which he didn't say directly, but he implied pretty clearly more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so in a sense, this is this is Reed kind of apologizing the way Reed would do <laughs> <laughs> in such a situation. So uh, I think you've got a great point there.
1: This is Chiefs head coach Andy Reed, if you want to listen to the full press conference, and I'll say it again. It's a it's a textbook one oh one Pete Sweeney shutdown on the Kyle kind of Long question. Go back to <laughs> from the podium and check that out. When we come back, our world famous marinated takeaways from Chiefs in Washington. Plus, we'll give you the best Chiefs thing this week. It's the best Chiefs thing we've seen all week. This Uh is the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show.
0: Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt.
1: React. Readapt. Takes time takes years that's the takeaway back here on the arrowhead pride editor's show it is week seven which means we are a third of the way there john now that we have 18 weeks in the nfl season see that quick math that i did there percent of the season left for the chiefs including the thanksgiving bye week thank you to the nfl for that here in kansas city all right, let's get into our marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' 31-13 win over Washington. John, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, Jody Fortson. Now, he just had uh, one catch in this game, which means that he's uh, totaled five catches for uh, 47 yards. An excellent his first catch. Year. Right, yes, an excellent catch, uh, which we shouldn't go without mentioning. But uh, I got to wondering after the game how often a player... Uh, it, so early in his career, gets two touchdowns on so few targets. And you know what? It doesn't happen very often. Uh, wow. I went to our, our friends at Pro Football Reference and their Stathood, StatHead football uh, application and uh, looked to see how many times a player in five games, their first five games of their career, had four targets and two touchdowns at least. And it turns out there have been two one of them, Jody Fortson, here in 2021. <laughs> the last time it was happened that it happened was with Matt Spaeth for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2007. Now this only covers the years from 1992 on because that's the years where they have target data. If right. you look at just receiver, uh, 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 four receptions over the course of the first uh, five games of a player's career, there's quite a few more. But uh, this idea that a guy comes into the league and in his first five games doesn't drop a catch and scores two touchdowns, that's a pretty big deal. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're going to see the Chiefs work hard to bring him back next season. And there's one other one, too, that you kind of have to dig a little bit to find. But going to pro football focus, if you bring up all the tight ends, Uh, and their run and pass blocking grades this season, you don't see the grade for Jody Fortson because he's only had 13 run blocking uh, snaps. So he doesn't show up under the minimum qualifiers. But if you, say, turn off the minimum qualifier, his grade of 85.8 for run blocking is one of the top two in the league this year. So not only has he been very effective as a receiver, he's also been, granted, small sample size, um, a very effective run blocker, and in pass blocking on only three snaps, he has a grade of 70.6. Fortson has really done a great job. I think the Chiefs are going to work hard to bring him back.
1: Yeah, I, I do feel like he had that tight end two ceiling. I mean, I think by the time the playoffs rolled around, he might have been the quote-unquote tight end two of this football team. You know that Travis Kelsey had a lot of support with him, and Fortson appreciated that, and he just fit right in, and Wow, it 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 remains just a, a tough part of the the 2021 season. that'll hopefully be one of the better stories of the 2022 season.
2: You know, it occurred to me. Uh, people talk about uh, Demetrius Harris as being the last successful tight end too, and even Harris was less than ideal in the eyes of many fans because his catch rate was so low. You know, right. and he, he he has that nickname we all know uh, that's based on his name. And <laughs> Fortson is you know like Harris in that. You can bring him in cold, and he'll perform for you. And Harris had that capability. He dropped a lot of balls, no question about that. But he also had big touchdowns in big moments in big games. And I think that that's what we're going to see from Fortson uh, when he's playing behind Travis
1: Kelsey. A good point by you, John, though incomplete. I'll just say that. (laughs) Okay, on to my first marinated takeaway. I think Sunday was a nice reminder that when— Patrick Mahomes looks like Magic Mahomes. It just makes everything easier. And we hadn't seen that in a little bit. It just had been Mm -hmm. struggle. When Patrick Mahomes is playing like he did in the second half and hitting those plays like the one to Tyreek Hill where he's running to the numbers and hitting Tyreek Hill on the other hash and throwing across his body with a perfect pass somehow, it really doesn't matter about what everyone else is doing. And it's been a while this season since the Chiefs have seen that version of Patrick Mahomes. And I just felt like this was a nice reminder. Yes, he's do indeed have the best player in the world. Yes, he is a human. He can struggle for a couple of weeks. But when he turns it back on, man, good luck. It doesn't really matter what the other 252 guys are doing.
2: Yeah, this was so nice to see Mahomes in his full glory. In the second half of this game, I mean, there were times this season that we saw that for short periods. There were a couple of games where he was really good throughout the game, but there have been no games where there weren't problems. So this was the biggest stretch we'd seen all season where Mahomes was just Mahomes for a significant period of time. Well, how In long case, have we seen the second half of the
1: game? And I get it's Washington; it's a struggling defense. Sure, Mahomes and the Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey and just how it typically it's seamless with this trio and now you've had weeks where one has been good you had weeks where the other was been good but this was a return to yeah. the Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill triplet and that's why you saw the 21 nothing blowout which is what the chiefs should do against the Washington football team and it it truly was and it's a football cliche but this game truly was a game of two halves
2: yeah, I, I completely agree there. Uh, but, of course, we'd already used our tail of two halves for other games this season, so we couldn't throw that out there on a journalistic basis. we tried. but
1: A yeah, tail yeah. of a, a pair of two quarters apiece. Um, yeah. is, that's the Bruce, Bruce Arians <laughs> version of that. <laughs> All right, John. John, you can go at your next point.
2: I, I want to stick uh, talking about uh, Mahomes a little bit. Uh, You know, it's become uh, a thing uh, among the national talking heads and the national writers to talk about Mahomes regressing this year for the first time uh, since he became the chief starter. And for sure, eight interceptions is really bad. He's thrown eight picks. But I'd like to to point out something here about those eight interceptions. Now, I can think of three of them that were made while he was being sacked. And we've already addressed in this show how that's a problem and how it's an easy problem for him to fix. And well within his capabilities, uh, his mental capabilities, everybody would agree that Mahomes is capable of learning how to do that. So that takes off three of them. I can think of three, and I think there were more, that bounced off a receiver's hands. Well, those are going to happen to any quarterback. Mm -hmm. But it's not Mahomes that it happened to. These are receivers who didn't catch balls that hit them in the hands and that they should have brought in. Um, so, uh, I'm just not really sure that Mahomes has regressed. This is just, this is about things Mahomes can fix. This is about things that have nothing to do with Mahomes. And I bet you could make an argument that there hasn't been a single targeted throw this season where Mahomes has simply made a bad throw and was interrupted
1: as a result. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, uh, just to add on your point, I mean it's hard to say to a top wide five wide receiver in the league, be better, but yeah. And he knows it. You can't, you can't drop the passes that Hill has dropped and allow it to pop up and go into the, it's such a a killer. And in a sense, the chiefs were lucky. They were playing Washington. But when you make those mistakes against the Buffalo bills, for example, they're going to pounce, right? Like now that the Tennessee Titans have knocked off the Buffalo bills on Monday night football, to me, the Titans become a team that you can't make a mistake like that against. They seem to be playing really good football, and this has suddenly become a really interesting AFC game, 2019 right. title rematch. You, there are players on that team that were there in 2019. They, they're they going to really want this. You're going to Tennessee to, to play the Titans, and so I just think... It gets more interesting in the little things that maybe you can make in the first half against Washington. You do that against Tennessee. They hand it off to Derrick Henry. He runs 90 yards down the field, and all of a sudden it's 17 nothing Titans away. So you, I think the little things you're seeing getting cleaned up. Mahomes, is, uh, I think, understands that. And, and I think the Chiefs are confident that he can clean those things up, but it, it also extends to uh, receivers. And and just making catch the catches and and if Josh Gordon's not ready, maybe you you wait a little bit. For example, you know some of the little things that make you a clean, more efficient, well-oiled football machine that can be in games with what are considered now some of these AFC uh, contenders. One point I wanted to make, John, was about the play of Daryl Williams and just what it does for the offense. And and Daryl didn't have necessarily the, a good game statistically. This is one of those classic games where. You look at the box and you're like, oh, was Daryl even that good? I think he was excellent yeah. in the sense mm-hmm. of setting the tone, especially early in the early downs and early in drives and saying, okay, he can pick up three or four yards. And then when the opposing defenses uh, have to stop the run or pay attention to a guy that, that really is, is on one and, and is gashing you, um a little bit early in downs, then that does open things up for the pass game. And I think you saw a little bit of that and good for Daryl to get the two touchdowns. So he had this whole comment right. during the week about how his mom cried when he wasn't drafted. He was a really yeah. good LSU player. And you know, when you're playing for LSU on a good football team, that is the high of the highs. And to go from that to being undrafted and then to seeing LaShawn McCoy come in and Le'Veon Bell come in. And then they go and draft a running back and even after that we got rid of Damian Williams. And to finally get that opportunity and really in his first outing, and he'll have a couple chances here, but make the most of it, uh, I thought was, was good. I also think Jarek McKinnon needs more touches. That play, I tweeted it out. You can go back and look at my media and my, my tweets, twitter.com, pgsween. Got a first down with four guys in front of him. I, I don't know how he even was able to do it, but yeah, I feel like McKinnon, the one-two punch to me, uh, seems like it, it should be a thing for for the Chiefs. I would like to see the ball in the hands of McKinnon a little bit more, You know, so long as it doesn't necessarily take Daryl Williams out of a rhythm, but a little bit more of a split I think could benefit this team. And, and here's my last point on this marinade take just because I think we're complementing Daryl and Jarek in their uh, games and, and what they were able to do with their opportunities doesn't necessarily mean Clyde is bad. I think we get sometimes lost in the, the idea that like, okay, man, Daryl looked really good. And so did Jarek. Why did we draft Clyde? We drafted Clyde or the chiefs drafted Clyde because his upside and ceiling is better. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He was actually on the come up, where he had back to back 100 yard rushing games. Was right. looking really good. So I just I think that's just worth saying and reminding people. Like just because Daryl had a good game, doesn't mean that Clyde Pick was suddenly bad. In a sense, because the Chiefs have not even come close to reaching what the upside that Clyde is and Clyde can can provide in my mind. And Daryl Daryl has a lower seat. As great of a game as he had.
2: Well, I, I agree with everything you said, and, and I actually missed a, a, a point when we were talking about snap counts earlier in the show uh, that I should have mentioned, and that is that the Chiefs gave Daryl his snaps and Edward Zolaire's snaps. Mm. Uh, he had a, a snap count above 70%, which we haven't seen from Edward Zolaire since week one of the season. Mm. And basically, they let him have his own snaps, uh, and he had Clyde Edward Zelaire's snaps, Jarek McKinnon had exactly the same number of snaps he'd had the week before in a percentage basis. So he had plenty of opportunities to show us things. He was basically the bell cow, which we haven't seen in very many chiefs
1: games this year. It's mostly been a running back by committee. Right. I've made, I've made this point over the years and I'll I'll just go back to it. Like I was here and I, I had an opportunity to cover like the Jamal Charles chiefs. And Mm -hmm. after that, um, the Kareem Hunt Chiefs, and now the Clyde Chiefs. Sometimes Andy Reid operates better when it's the Spencer Ware-Traverius-Ward Chiefs, when it's the Darrell Williams Chiefs, when people aren't checking the box score and looking at how many touches running back X has and they're more <laughs> of a compliment to the offense. Yeah, Because Andy yeah. Reid wants to pass first. And yeah. that's his offense, right? But when these guys are more compliments to the offense than supposed to be the third guy, like we talked a lot about going into this year, partly my fault, I did it, as... Clyde edwards E'Laire being the third target on this team. And then you're looking at his targets and his receptions, and you're like, what, still not involved in the passing game? Why, you know? Mm -hmm. Andy Reid's running backs operate best when they're not expected to touch the ball all that much. And you see them shine in that sense. And that's why we got that combined 1,000-yard season for Spencer Ware and Traverius Ward and why no one was really worried about how many touches they got when they were doing that. So it's just a caveat, I think, of an Andy Reid team.
2: You know, I'd like to make one point that's an expansion of what you were saying here and uh, that relates to uh, Edward Zolaire being selected in the first round. I saw a lot of chatter uh, over the weekend about how great Daryl Williams looked, and and I agree with you. He did look great. He looked better than yeah. the box score showed. I completely agree with that. But I saw a lot of commentary from fans, talking heads, et cetera, about how uh, Williams was better than Edward Zolaire, and I don't, think that's necessarily true. I think he showed he can do the job effectively. I think he absolutely showed that when he was on the field on Sunday. But I also agree with your point before that Edward Zolaire had come off a couple of a couple of games where he looked fantastic. And I think people who are saying that uh, that that Edward Zolaire isn't the player the Chiefs need in this position and then they should have Daryl Williams start in his place are still pissed off because he was drafted in the first round. I think if you take that expectation of the first round off Edward Zolaire, everybody would think he was fantastic. Same and thing I, for Hardman
1: it, in the second round, and I think yeah, that kills him yeah. too. If Hardman was yeah. drafted a little bit later, I don't know if fans would have so much disdain for him. The the fan doghouse, though, it's it's right now, it's worked for them, though. They've gotten basically <laughs> Ben Neiman replaced, and they've gotten Daniel Sorensen replaced, so I think you're going to see more of this. Clyde had fallen into that a little bit, what will be interesting, and I will think that this is interesting too, and it'll be something to follow, is if is if Daryl in these next two opportunities, two plus potentially, is able to rip off 100 and cha- change yard efforts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That'll be really interesting when Clyde gets back in the Agreed. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Any and, and other you know, marinated I, takeaways from you, John?
2: Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make a point about Ben Neiman. And and this is an expansion of a, of what we were talking about before of using these players who have been used incorrectly because of circumstances where they don't do very well. And uh, Sorensen was not a guy that could be effective as the starting safety who's on the field for 100% of the snaps. Right. but uh, And Neiman has the same problem. He's been used uh, as a starting player when he really isn't at that level. I mean, no offense to either of these guys. These are both blue-collar players who have earned their positions to be reserve players on the Chiefs team, and we should be glad to have them. We just can't expect them to do those jobs. Uh, you know, they're just not going to be right. top level players. They just simply aren't those kinds of players. I will point out that after Anthony Hitchens went out in the second quarter, we had Ben Neiman at the Mike linebacker position which he does not normally play. This isn't a position that Neiman has normally played this season when we've had all these bad things happen with Ben Neiman. And in the second half, when Ben Neiman has the green dot on his helmet and is calling the plays and getting everybody lined up in the right place, the things that Anthony Hitchens does, the Washington football team was one for four on third downs. They gained 76 yards. They had 19 plays on four drives, ending with a missed field goal, a punt, a punt, and an interception. Now, I'm sorry. I know that it's not just Ben Neiman who was out there, but I think that those numbers show that the defense was effective with Neiman wearing the green dot, and he was basically being used in the place where he can be most effective, and that's to be as Anthony Hitchens' backup. And let's hope mm-hmm. that Hitchens is able to get back on
1: the field. But until then, I think Neiman's going to be able to hold the job down pretty well. You can contact the ultimate Neiman advocate Arrowhead <laughs> on Twitter. So just direct all your commentary <laughs> toward John there. My last takeaway is just uh, looking forward. I'm juiced for this Chiefs Titans game. I know that a lot of fans yeah. probably were watching last night and saying, oh, no, the Titans are coming. I'm like, no, this is now a, a game that matters a lot more in-, in the sense of the Titans are legit. Yeah everyone was considering the the bills either the number one or number two team in the league they just beat them on the national stage and josh allen had the ball fourth and one and they stuffed him I, i i was very very impressed with the the tennessee titans on this monday night football game and this is suddenly a a very important afc game because titans showed that they're capable of beating the chiefs and the chiefs now have an opportunity to say look we're back way before playing the green bay packers which i thought I was looking past the Titans. I thought the Bills would beat them and cover the spread last night. Did not happen. Uh, The Tennessee Titans kind of reannounced themselves in the picture of the AFC. Uh, So yeah, don't ever take my betting advice. If I ever try to um, (laughs) pass that along.
2: All right. And and you can't be looking past games. If you say the team can't look past a game, you can't do it
1: either. So let's
2: just be clear on that. So
1: yeah, I would like to look past the entire regular season and just get to the postseason, but (laughs) can't fast forward. Like click like Adam Sandler's click. All right, let's get into the best chiefs thing we have seen all week. Steve, pull it up, baby. Watch this. Would you say suction cups? With one hand, and he traps it on the offensive
2: line. Is that is that Lucas? Cornelius Lucas, and then he's able to haul it in. So what I would say about Spagnolo, he said this group comes to work every week, no matter the result. He just wants them to have a 60-minute game where they can feel the
1: fruits of their labor. No, no, unbelievable. Turk Wharton. Turk Wharton is one of my low-key favorite defensive players to cover on the Kansas city chiefs. This guy has just been grinding local Missouri, small school guy comes out of nowhere and he just puts his nose to the grindstone. The coaching staff loves him. Brendan Daly has nothing but good things to say. And you could see the slow build. This guy pinned a ball against the offensive lineman, Lucas's head on the other side of his body. One of the best defensive players that we've seen in Kansas city in a really long time. And I just, I think in the the upset the fans being upset about Jaron Reed, we've lost the, the come-up and I think the slow but sure development of Turk Wharton. This is becoming a real player for the Chiefs, and I'm happy and made this the best Chiefs thing I saw all week because I think this gives him an opportunity to put him in the spotlight, which maybe uh, we don't shine enough on a player who really, in a similar sense to Darrell Williams, had no business being in this position and being an a, a role player for the Kansas city chiefs. And he's making the most of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And it it makes me wish that there was a way you could look up, uh, passes intercepted while engaged with a blocker. (laughs) I mean, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen that before where a defensive lineman has made an interception while he's continuing to be engaged with a blocker in front of him. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a play like that before. There can't be very many of them in NFL history. I'm sure someone will think of one that they've seen, but it was it was a new one on me, and I completely agree that uh, Wharton has no business being where he is. But I'm certainly glad the Chiefs recognized his talent, and that he's uh, and 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 not only when he was playing at Missouri S and T, but also. When he came to Kansas City and they recognized immediately that he was a player that that they could uh, they could use that they've given him that opportunity. So, uh, yeah, totally love that. And I I also want to point out, too, that uh, yet again, a a snap count uh, thing that I should have mentioned before, um, you know, Derek Nottie was the starter on um, on Sunday, but. Wharton had more snaps the mm-hmm. two of them were rotating on the line that's what the snap counts indicate the the two of their uh, percentages add up to about 100 percent. so it appears that that Wharton was coming in for Naughty. but Wharton was out there for more snaps even though Noddy was the starter
1: yeah Colin Saunders said in the preseason and it stuck with me he's like Turk and I talk all the time <clears throat> and we want to make sure that when Reed and Naughty leave the game there is absolutely no drop off you shouldn't even notice we're out there right. and I think with that mentality, Wharton has pushed for, for more snaps and deserves them, and, and I think he should continue to get them. Making plays like this, I understand that it had turned into a blowout. If this had been made in a close game, this would be a freaking game-changing play yeah. out of nowhere that would have juiced the team and perhaps propelled them to a victory, and the Chiefs need defensive players like that at this juncture. Absolutely. All right. We have made it through the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We hope that you enjoyed it. Coming up on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, we'll have another Arrowhead Drive coming at you on Wednesday morning, followed by the Great British Chiefs Show turning the page and getting their first deep look at the Tennessee Titans should be fun please leave us a rating and review if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network for my deputy editor the overall man John Dixon I'm Pete Sweeney thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride editors show Perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.